With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here we go, earning their stripes on the Fish Stripes podcast, presented by Symbol, the stock market for sports. I am Eli Sussman, joined by Ethan Badowski. Happy opening day, Eve, to everybody. The 2021 Marlins Major League season is already underway. You all know that. But beginning on Tuesday, each of the organization's full season minor league affiliates, AAA Jacksonville, AA Pensacola, High A Beloit, and Low A Jupiter, finally take the field, scheduled to play 120 games apiece. And we'll be covering them with a fine-tooth comb almost as closely, if not more closely, than the Major League team. We are minutes away from being joined by Marlins prospect Joe Dunand. Can't wait for that interview. But first, let's preview what to expect down on the farm now that we got those preliminary rosters that have been released over the weekend. Ethan, we were deprived of affiliated minor league baseball all of last year. The players, the fans, the media, everybody, we're missing that. Now it's back. It tastes good, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it feels really good. Obviously, you know, my roots with you guys at Fish Stripes are in the in the minor leagues. Um, and so this is where it all started for me. Just, you know, with the rebuild, it was more interesting than the major league team actually was the minor league system. And uh, the minor league system is still very interesting. And it could end up again that um, it could be more interesting than the major league team if, if uh, you know, things get worse here at the major league level and things go really well at the minor league level. So there are some really intriguing rosters. I mean, I'm looking at double a Pensacola and I'm just drooling over this roster. Um, you know, you obviously have some talent that we've already seen in the big leagues at the triple a level. And then you go on down and there's some very intriguing prospects all the way down to low a Jupiter who I'm repping today. Um, so yeah, it was brutal, you know, a year and a half without minor league baseball. It's hard to know how many, you know, what, what these guys have been doing in their development, but I think it'll be fun to see, you know, what if Will Banfield comes out and starts hitting the ball over, all over the place or a guy like Evan Fitterer, who, you know, was a high school guy. The last time we saw him comes out and just starts dealing at low a Jupiter. So there's some very intriguing prospects all over the place. Uh, and I'm really excited to start watching them again and start following those box scores. You know, I love box score watching and certainly, especially, you know, I'll be covering Marlins Marlin games still, but um, I'll be keeping up with all of that stuff while, uh, while Marlin games are going on this year, for sure. Most, most nights a week, uh, Tuesday through Sunday, you're going to have for the most part, five games to follow at the major league level and all these full season affiliates. And then we get later in the summer, eventually there's going to be a rookie league as well in both the U S and the DR. It's going to be overwhelming in all the best ways. Uh, we're going to have all our coverage that people can find on fishstripes.com slash prospects. That's where I automatically tag just about everything we do, including this podcast as well. You can follow us on Twitter. It's gotten so much that we're going to unveil on Tuesday a secondary Twitter account for Jess Prospects at Fish Prospects. 
that oh, more people yeah. can follow. That's just going to make sure that we don't drown your, your timelines <laughs> all with fish stripe stuff. And That's uh, awesome. ideally the dream is to get that second account verified so soon. I mean, we got the main one verified a couple months ago. If we somehow get this new one verified too, that'll be awesome. But more details about that at fish prospects, make sure you're following that on Twitter. I might need uh, the password to that account. <laughs> I'm going to, I'll give you the password to that account. It's going to be, uh, Ethan. Uh, we also have, uh, Kevin Krakowski is going mm. to be doing a lot of tweets from that as well. A lot of gifts that he's going to be taking from the minor league games. And I'm sure I'll be handling that account as well. We'll get into more of that, but we want to be concise awesome. on this episode because we do have a uh, Joe coming up really soon. And first we're going to just go level by level after seeing these preliminary rosters get revealed over the weekend, beginning uh, with Jupiter. What I'm going to do is I'll pick one newcomer to the organization that uh, we've never seen play official minor league games before for the Marlins and why I'm intrigued by them. And Ethan is going to pick one returning player who's already been in the organization since at least 2019 and why he's going to be following that player extra closely this season not necessarily the very best prospects it's about a little bit more than that it's both the future big league stars and the other guys that could just overachieve in different ways or do with a certain style so there's no set criteria for that we'll be happy to hear all of your suggestions uh, in the comments after you listen to this podcast but we're going to pick up we're taking that approach to go through this quickly if you want a more comprehensive breakdown i highly recommend people checking out swimming upstream that's the fish on the farm podcast they spent like a full hour going through the rosters and like i said we'll have more coverage of this stuff up on the website as well beginning with low a jupiter the hammerheads for me this one was pretty easy the guy i am fixated on is right-hander yeri perez who was signed out of the DR a couple of years ago now in July of 2019, but he didn't actually play in any minor league games yet because it was so far along in the season. He just turned 18 years old and he's making the leap from not playing any actual organized games to now at full season ball and starting out in their rotation. I mean, with him, it's just all about these physical attributes that nobody else in the organization has. He's listed at six foot nine, and uh, I think he's filled out to this point close to 200 pounds. When they signed him, he was like 155, where wow. I don't even know how that's possible to be built like that. But they were betting on the fact that he would fill out and he, and he would has. add a little juice to his his fastball. And that is exactly what has happened from what we've been able to see. He is very avid about posting on Instagram when he has some success, either at instructional league or other settings he pretty routinely is hitting 95, 96 with his fastball as an 18 year old and someone that gets so much extension off the mound because of his height. It's wait to see about how these secondary pitches develop. He's shown a curveball, he's shown a changeup, maybe even a slider as well. It's at least a three pitch mix that he could use. And the dream is to have him as a starter because the upside is incredible. Maybe long-term doesn't have quite the control you want and he has to go into the bullpen, but this is just the first step several years away, of course, from making it to the majors. But I am so thrilled to finally get a glimpse of him in real games. Honorable mention to Dax Fulton, who was the mm -hmm. second pick that Marlins made in last year's draft. And he'll also be in that Jupiter rotation. So those are my newcomers with Jupiter. Give us one uh, familiar name. Uh, on that roster that you like. Yeah, just one quick thing on Dax. He's ranked in the top 10 of Marlins prospects already. So, um, you know, everybody's really high on that kid. But uh, there are a few I could pick from this roster for sure. Um, you know, there are about three that stand out to me. But I'll go 
in this route because we haven't seen this guy since even before COVID because he missed a year before COVID. And that's Osiris Johnson. Um, I think he's, I, I don't think he's 20 yet. He was 17 when he played his first pro ball action. I guess he would probably turn, actually, he's probably 21 now. Um, he, when he played, played his first pro ball action in 2018. Um, but the kid just set the kind of like set the world on fire in the GCL and he was just hitting the ball hard all over the place so much so that he was called up to low a uh, when Greensboro was still the low a affiliate. And I think he hit a couple home runs there. Um, but I really want to see what this kid has because he was really exciting. And then he got hurt and he missed all of the 2019 season. And then he missed all of uh, 20 uh, not of obviously. And then the COVID shutdown year. So we haven't seen this kid in two years. Um, and so I'm really excited to see what he can bring to the table. Uh, and he's a very exciting bat for the Marlins. And I think they're possibly thinking about moving him to third base, which could be a really, uh, you know, that's a hole that the Marlins have at the minor league level right now, besides the guy we're about to talk to Joe Dunan. Um, the other ones, honorable mentions for me, uh, two guys that I know a lot of people are going to be focused on is Victor Mesa jr. Um, the younger Mesa brother, I think he's 19. Now he shocked everybody with really good GCL results at 17 years old. Um, and he's certainly an exciting prospect. He's rocketed up boards. I think he's in the top 15 for the Marlins and then Nassim Nunez. Um, he was the second round pick of the Marlins, uh, in the same draft in the same draft as Osiris. I want to say the year maybe. after just the year after Osiris. Yep. Yeah. In 2019. So the year that Osiris missed Nassim played in the GCL and it was pretty good. Um, there were some mixed results, but you could see some contact ability. Uh, and then he was actually called up to um, Batavia, the rookie ball league to play in their playoff games. So this is a very intriguing prospect. One of those athletic middle infielders, somebody I'm really excited to see if he can start hitting the ball. Well, Moving up the chain to High A Beloit, the only Marlins affiliate that's outside the state of Florida. And I've already had um, a few messages reach me about players in Beloit, not necessarily taking a, a liking to the city at first. It's going to take some getting used to playing out there in the Midwest. <laughs> but uh, one of the players that's out there and who will be making his first minor league appearance as a Marlins prospect is Griffin Conine, who is mm -hmm. the son of Mr. Marlin, Jeff Conine. They acquired him in a trade from the Blue Jays for Jonathan VR uh, in the middle of last season. A very popular move for sure, considering VR was kind of on his way out and Conine has really amazing potential. It, it all kind of comes down to his power tool where last year, well, 2019, the last minor league season, he only barely played a half season at, at what was then a low A level. And he had 22 home runs. He led the league in home runs. He led the league in slugging that year, even higher than Peyton Burdick. He was in the same league as Peyton Burdick and he outslugged him and he's slightly younger than Burdick. Uh, the strikeout concerns are pretty much everything with Conan where he struck out more than a third of his plate appearances in 2019 with the Blue Jays affiliate in Lansing. And that needs to come down. Uh, I mean, that can, you can play with that maybe at the major league level, but if you're struggling that much to make contact in the minor leagues, it usually doesn't end well. So he is, it's a pretty critical year for him, even though it's still very early in his pro career to make those adjustments, to still tap into his power without, you know, necessarily whiffing at that rate and creating so many unproductive outs. So he's 23 years old, yet turned 24 later this summer. 
And he's just got almost as much power as anybody in this organization. And it's all a question of the rest of his skill set, putting it together. Honorable mentions to 2020 draft picks, Kyle Nicholas and Zach McCambly. Zach McCambly, former ETS guest. So we'll be I was just going to talk about him. He was awesome. Yeah, yeah. both of them making that, um, making that leap to high A. They haven't appeared in any official minor league games. And both of them, college arms, trying to make this big adjustment. Uh, and it sounds like they'll be in the rotation for most of the season in Blake. Yeah. With, with McCambly, I'm excited for him because I, you know, I think the consensus was that he was going to start in low A, but he made a jump up to high A. So that's certainly exciting. Um, and I, I just want to see him. He was such an awesome guy when we talked to him that uh, I'm definitely rooting for him. And he's somebody that I've been paying attention to since we did talk to him. Um, the guy that I'll go with here uh, is Cam Meisner. Um, somebody that we've seen in the Marlins organization before. He was a 2019 draft pick um, the year that they took Blade. And he, you know, is supposedly a lot of people think that he could be one of the outfielders of the future. Um, he's got to start hitting better. And the fact that he is at high A when he finished at high A last time is a little bit concerning. Or what did he ever go up to Jupiter? I can't remember. Um, I guess no, he didn't. He was stuck in okay, low so A he was last in year. Clinton. Okay, so he did make a, a a level jump up to high A. But you know, there are some guys um, that are at the same stage in their development as him in terms of their age, and they're up to double A or triple A. So I would like to see him have a really nice year down in high A. I think that's a level that he could probably beat up on if he's as developed as we think. Um, honorable mention here is going to be Will Banfield and Connor Scott. Uh, Banfield, there's a hole in the Marlins organization at the catcher position. We've talked about it all year. Somebody needs to take the reins there. So uh, I would like to see Banfield. And then Scott is a very intriguing prospect. A lot of people are higher on him than I am, but he did hit really well towards the end of his last minor league season. So I would like to see if he can continue that at high A. I think he did get up to the high A level just at the end of his last minor league season and see if he can make the jump to double A or, you know, kind of start pushing up toward his development schedule, start getting ahead of his schedule. So Connor Scott's a very intriguing prospect. Looking forward to seeing if he can put up some good numbers this year for sure. One of my bold predictions from a little while ago is that Meisner would win the Marlins minor league player of the year, that he's going to have a huge year. I don't have a whole lot of evidence to back that up because he is a pretty low key guy in terms of mm -hmm. social media, in terms of even talking about himself when he's gotten interviewed that he doesn't want to hype up himself, but those tools are incredible. And he's really well-rounded. Like if he puts it all together, these, I, he could pretty quickly jump to the very top of this outfield depth pecking order that the Marlins have. It's really competitive, but he's got all the potential to get there. Moving up to double A, I could not choose one guy. I had to go with yeah, two at seriously. the same time um, with these newcomers. And for me, it's Max Meyer, yeah. who is going to be making that opening day start for them here on Tuesday night. Uh, he's going to be on very, handled very carefully. They think they're going to give him extra rest in between starts, um, but they want him to stick around with them for the full season and potentially, you know, crack through to the majors if this proves to be too easy of an assignment <laughs> for him. But it is a, it's a bold move to have him pitch his first official minor league games at double A uh, in a shortened season at Minnesota 2020 only made four starts before the COVID shutdown. He was amazing. He was striking out 40% of the batters mm. he was facing as a starting pitcher. And Insane. he's got that plus fastball, the plus, plus, plus slider. Honestly, what evaluators think is the best 
breaking ball in potentially all of minor league baseball, that slider. And mm-hmm. so how far the changeup comes along, how he handles this full season, relatively full season as a guy that actually worked out of the bullpen at times during his collegiate career, that his conditioning is going to be a, a huge key to this because he is also a little undersized compared to the regular starting pitching prospect. So those are all big questions that we'll get some answers to. And also just kind of in a tie with him is Jake Eater, who is their Mm -hmm. left-hander selected in the fourth round of the same draft class. Ever since he's gone into pro ball, all the whispers coming out of the organization have been that he has, he's a steal, that he could be uh, every bit of the steal that someone like Peyton Burdick was after Mm -hmm. the 2019 draft. They knew pretty quickly that, wow, we got lucky with this guy and Eater is someone, he had an inconsistent college career. But he has, he entered as he was so highly regarded coming out of high school. He did flash some excellence when he was with Vanderbilt at times, even though he was inconsistent. He was someone reportedly that came up in trade conversations. I know with the Dodgers, mm-hmm. when they got Dylan Floro, that mm-hmm. the Dodgers wanted him and the, the Marlins just straight up refused. And I think that took, that paused the negotiations because they were so protective of Eater. And just this assignment is, it's every bit as, it's even more surprising than Meyer because of, mm-hmm. Uh, even though he's a college arm to start him off here in double a is it speaks to what they think about his polish and his potential. And um, I'm just so thrilled to finally see him hopefully put it all together. Well, with Max, I mean, yeah, there's no need to get cute at this level. Like just say, you know, say Max, like this kid is a stud. And uh, he said yesterday when I was on the press conference with him that, um, you know, Pensacola had their press day yesterday. And he said that, he, he feels his changeup is locked in as a third pitch, and I think that should scare the shit out of minor league hitters all over the country. Um, this guy is a stud, and yeah, he, he said you know he feels like he could be big league ready by the end of the year, and that's the ultimate goal, but he just wants to help his team win. Um, and this is a loaded roster. They're going to win a lot, and because of that, it was really hard to pick uh, one guy, but yeah, no need to get cute with this roster. It's J.J. Bleday. Uh, this kid it was had a fantastic spring uh actually at the end of the spring he didn't hit for a very high average but he had the third highest ops on the team uh among players who played like an actual workload in spring training so more than like 15 games um he was fantastic this spring showed everything that you talk about with him and mattingly you know raved about him all spring and basically said like this kid is polished uh Kim Ang used the same word polished was the word for him. And they basically said, we just need to get him more ABs. And so he's just going to get his ABs here. I imagine he's going to hit the cover off the ball and then he'll probably come up possibly in June in, in July, maybe August. Um, you know, if the Marlins really need some help, if they move on from a guy like Corey Dickerson, this is the immediate replacement um, towards the back end of the season after seeing him, um, you know, what he can do in double A. So it doesn't get hard. You know, it, this isn't hard. Uh, it's changeable day. He is easily the most intriguing player on this roster, but there are plenty others. I mean, there's uh, Peyton Burdick, um, you know, can we finally see Victor Victor Mesa start hitting well? Uh, because if he can, his all of a sudden he returns to the spotlight with his defense being has been MLB ready for three years since the Marlins signed him. He's, you know, been ready to step in and be a gold glover in the MLB. And then Gerard Encarnacion is another guy that everybody is, you know, really excited about. So there are four outfielders on this team. I imagine Gerard's probably going to play some first base and they're going to rotate these guys in and out because they're going to have to find that batch for all of them because right. all of them could be legitimate contenders to be on the Marlins major league roster, you know, year, two years, something like that in the next couple of years. So um, yeah, this is, this is where you want to keep your eyes on. If you're, 
if you're watching Marlin, a lot of Marlins, Marlins minor league baseball, you want to be watching Pensacola for sure. This roster is loaded. Here at Fish Stripes, we are celebrating two months of partnership with Symbol, the stock market for sports. Symbol allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Use your knowledge about MLB, the NFL, or the NBA to buy low, sell high, and profit. Symbol has market analysis directly on their site. And on Fish Stripes, we do some of our own about the Marlins and the other NL East teams. That will help you get comfortable with the platform real quick. Join the 2,000-plus early adopters who have already started to invest. Visit www.simbull.app to create a free account. When you deposit, make sure to use the promo code FISHSTRIPES, all one word, FISHSTRIPES. That gives you a $10 bonus. The current Sim Marlins share price is exactly $27. Visit www.simbull.app and use the promo code FISHSTRIPES for that $10 bonus to help build your portfolio. Invest in what you know. Invest in sports. Yeah, finishing off here with AAA Jacksonville, and I'm cheating here because this guy was, he's not on their preliminary roster because he was on the Marlins taxi squad during the road trip. When they announced the roster, they couldn't actually say his name and uh, mm-hmm. commit to him being on there just in case the Marlins had a major league emergency. But for me at AAA, the one that will definitely be reporting there, hopefully pitching some high leverage innings out of their bullpen, it's Anthony Bender. Yeah. Hashtag Bender Mania, where he took everybody by surprise with what he did in spring training. He was throwing as hard as anybody, anybody. He was throwing harder than Sandy. He was throwing harder than Trevor Rogers. He just had an explosive fastball and a wipeout slider. Both of those pitches just showed so much potential in spring training. He's limited to a relief role, but um, I mean, he's someone that took everybody off guard, doesn't have any affiliated experience above double A. And so this will be a new test for him. 27 years old, 26 years old, 26 years old right now. Um, he kind of is what he is, um, mm-hmm. but his stuff is, I think it caught everybody by surprise. I think it's going to translate to big results immediately. Uh, I'm sure we'll see him in the majors at some point. And uh, from what we saw in spring training, it's just, it's a great story. It's a great story from a yeah, guy that wasn't even expecting this from himself. So I'm excited to see him in real games and high leverage situations. Yeah, when Mattingly was asked about him, he was like, I don't know where this guy came from. We have no idea. He was like, I think he came from Milwaukee or something like that. But he also said that he has big league stuff. And I think we've been talking about how the Marlins need hard throwers at the back end. You know, you've seen a guy like Jordan Holloway, Zach Pop um, start taking people by storm. Uh, John Curtis has taken, you know, Marlins fans, has grabbed Marlins fans' attention with the stuff they have at the back end. So this is certainly a guy who has very good stuff at the back end, high leverage stuff. Very excited about him. Uh, for me, oh man, I could go a bunch of different directions here, but I'm going to say Lewin Diaz. Uh, I'm very, very high on this kid. Uh, you know, he, he did appear in the big leagues last year and it wasn't great. Um, you know, he didn't have a ton of results, but he was, every time he put the ball, bat on the ball, it was hard and it was in a gap somewhere. And it was the same thing in spring training. And it was the same thing in winter ball this year. It seemed like every time he hit the ball, it, he hit it hard. Uh, so if he can just start making contact, you know, he's got his hands a little higher. They're more settled in his batting stance this year. He looked really good in spring training. His, when I went out in spring training, I saw his batting practice. I mean, your eyes just kind of light up watching this kid. So very excited to see what Lewin can do in AAA. Um, you know, the Marlins went out and got him for, I think that was the Sergio Romo trade. And that's certainly an intriguing guy. Um, it, 
you know, all reports are that the Marlins are obsessed with him. They see him as possibly the top prospect in the organization. Um, here, I quick, agree with you. I agree with you yeah. on Lewin, absolutely. And great timing because Joe is calling hey, right now. They, I was just going to say that an honorable mention guy would be the guy that we're about to talk to. Uh, yes. And then real quick, Braxton Garrett and Jesus Sanchez, guys that we've seen at the major league level, and I want to see what they got. So I'm, I'm ready for Joe, though. Let's bring him in. Right now calling in with us, Marlins prospect Joe Dunant. Take a listen to this interview. Our special guest on Earning Their Stripes has been in the Marlins organization for nearly four years, and he's now on the verge of a huge milestone reaching the major leagues. Infielder Joe Dunand is a true Miami guy, played his college ball at North Carolina State before coming back home when the Fish selected him in the second round of the 2017 MLB draft. I'm not sure any Marlins prospect has done more than Joe has over the last six months to raise their profile. He has taken his game to a new level, and now he's here to talk about it. Joe Dunand, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here at Fish Drives. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here and uh, answer your guys', your guys questions. Well, you were someone obviously highly rated coming out of school when the Marlins drafted you and you pretty, what you call a prototypical fast riser in the organization. It only took you like a year from when you signed to actually make it all the way to double A in Jacksonville. So you know this place well, and as things have shaken out, because now Jacksonville got bumped up to triple A, you're back there again, and where you were part of 2019, all of 20, part of 2018, all 2019. So you know this place well, I guess it feels like a second home for you, uh, what is what is it like to be in Jacksonville right now? In terms of where we're still in the you know final stages of this pandemic, is uh, the city more or less back to normal, or are there any other differences you notice about living there over these past couple of days? Um, it's great. It's always great to be in Jacksonville. You know, there's a great great city. Um, I would say for the most part, it's it's basically it's pretty normal. I mean, we've been quarantined. We've been in the hotel. Um, you know, pretty isolated, but. I believe they've been having some events here. I think they had the MMA fight, um, the Masvidal fight here. Um, and I think it was full capacity. And I believe the NFL is doing full, full capacity as well. Um, but, I mean, they got a great, great fan base here. And the, the, the fans in, in our stadium, is, they're always packed and they're always uh, pretty lively. So it'll be good to see um, them fill up that stadium, whether it's, I don't know what the capacity is, 50, 60 percent, but it'll, it'll, it'll be fun to be out there. Yeah, Joe, just, you know, you, you missed a year. And so I, you know, I don't know, you didn't get to play without the fans. So I guess it feels normal to be back with them. But for you, when you were in spring training, you know, after going through a whole year off, how good was it when you stepped out on that field for the first time? And, you know, you saw people and the atmosphere seemed great all spring, really. It was awesome, man. It was, you know, when you don't play a game for, a year, it, it, it really, you know, you miss it. And, uh, you know, it, it was a great feeling to be back out there. I actually played in DR and mm-hmm. with uh, Escogido and they had no fans. So I kind of got a glimpse at it mm-hmm. um, because, you know, the fans down there get pretty crazy as well. So it was pretty weird playing with no fans. But, um, yeah, it was good to see people back in the stands this year. And uh, hopefully, you know, it keeps filling up. Yeah, well, speaking of Escajito and people that follow Fish Stripes, they're aware of what you did down there, man. I mean, huge, not just the offensive numbers, but also the defense as well, winning a gold glove for mm-hmm. the way you played down there. So that one, I wanted to back up a little bit to 2019 because, you know, the first couple of years in the Marlins organization, 
uh, you were a shortstop. That's kind of flat. Like you played shortstop all the time at those first few levels of the minors. And then it was kind of in the middle of 2019, you started getting some starts at third base. And it was really towards the end of that season when that, when third base became your primary position. I think a lot of people would think of shortstop as the sexiest and the most glamorous defensive position out there. Uh, how I'm not exactly sure of when that like dialogue happened between you and the team where they said they wanted you to focus on third base, but uh, was that tough for you to, you know, understand uh, all everything that comes with being a shortstop and then having to obviously prepare for this, even though it's right next to shortstop on the diamond, there's a lot of different skill sets that go into being a third baseman. How did you take that news initially? And like how, what steps have you taken to continue improving at third base to the point where you're now, you're, you're now a huge like asset over there at third. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's always been, uh, you know, in, you know, in writing, I guess, you know, always predicted that I would play third, um, you know, in high school and college, I would always, I would play third and then I moved to short and, uh, I guess in pro ball, as I played short and moved to third. Um, so I've always been back and forth with those two positions. Um, but I would say in 2019, we, it was, I think the second half when we traded for jazz, um, I, 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 he, you know, we pretty much expected him to play short and I was going to make the move to third. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I feel pretty comfortable. I felt pretty comfortable making that move. Uh, you know, I, I feel pretty comfortable at third. Like I said, I played in my whole life, um, knowing that, you know, anything can happen, I can also play short. Um, I've always wanted to show that I could play shortstop in, at a big league level. Um, and I believe that I, I have, um, and also they got me playing a little first now. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's a big learning curve for me as well. Um, it's like a new world over there, but you know, I'm taking it day by day and, and, uh, you know, just getting better, progressing slowly. Yeah, Joe, I want to stick with the DR and just ask you, what's the coolest thing about playing there? Because the winters are so exciting. It's th- the, the baseball is so action packed. The fans are incredible. Um, what's the coolest thing about playing there? And then also in your time there, what's like the biggest takeaway that you had from playing down there, whether it's the adjustments that you made or just lessons that you learned from the guys you were playing with? Um, yeah, I would say in DR, it's, it's such a fun league. Um, you know, when there's fans, there's nothing that can replace those fans. You know, mm. there could be 200 people in the stadium and it sounds like it's 30,000 people. Yeah, it's, it's a fun atmosphere to play in. And, um, you know, they were definitely missed this year. Um, but at the same time, it felt like it was the only baseball being played at the time. Um, so that was pretty cool. Also, you know, being, you know, I felt like everybody was watching that league because obviously COVID hit and, and nobody was doing anything. Um, but the biggest takeaways I took um, this this past year was, you know, uh, just being able to hang around guys like Gladdy Jr. and, and Gregory mm-hmm. Polanco and seeing those guys and, and all the work that they put in, no matter what the situation, no matter where we are, um, those guys did their routine. They did everything that they had to do every single day, day in and day out. So, um, you know, just being able to incorporate that into my routine, into my work ethic was, you know, seeing that first hand was pretty, pretty good. And uh, it's a good experience to have. Just since you mentioned him, do you have any cool Vladdy Jr. stories in terms of how far he can hit a baseball? <laughs> um, well, not really. You know, I, you know, everything he does, it's the guy, he's a, he's a freak. You know, he's, a, he's so, he's an amazing baseball player. Um, his routine was, 
during BP, it was like the first couple of rounds, he was just hitting ground balls to second and then just, you know, line drives up the middle the rest of the, the rest of the way, you know, he wasn't trying to hit 500 foot bombs and like, you know, like he regularly does. Um, I think that just happens in the game for him. And, you know, that's all um, thanks to his routine and stuff. So, I mean, no, I don't really have any, any crazy stories, anything for you guys. <laughs> Yeah, well, you don't need to be modest um, because I mean, people could just look at the stats. You were every bit as good as he was over the winter in terms of like what you were doing at the plate and not just getting on base and hitting for power. Maybe a different style. Maybe it's uh, it doesn't like catch people's eyes the same way. But your production was right up there. So if, if Vladdy now this year he's an early season potential AL MVP contender, you must be feeling pretty good about about you doing the same thing if you get that opportunity because. He, yeah. because i mean you were that's the thing i, I would surprise people uh, i don't remember exactly how the uh, lindome mvp results got out there but you were you were the mvp of your team at least of escogito that's what i thought and uh, I, I hope i hope you felt that uh, they appreciated you down there because even though they do have these bigger names and you got to play with god you got to play with probably a dozen guys that have big league experience um, yeah. you deserve a lot of credit for how you performed down there yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, it was definitely a confidence booster um, playing with those guys. And, you know, when you're playing that well and, and the team was playing well as well, uh, everything kind of, you know, just keeps going and it's, uh, you know, everything was going well. So, you know, it's a tribute to having uh, all that work I put in and, and, you know, that year off of COVID, you know, putting all that work in and every day, you know, all you have is yourself and and a lot of time. So you can either sit down and, and you know why did this happen why is all this happening or you could get to work and, and I got to work uh so you know being able to see that uh turn out to what it was in, in DR and, and and where I am today you know just it's a good it's a good confidence booster and and yeah, well, so, Joe, we want to we want to dig a little bit more into the work that you put in because yeah. obviously the results are there. You had this great interview with I think Sam Dykstra of uh, MLB.com right in the middle of that winter ball season, and uh, you talk about how before the winter, well, dating back to like the 2019 season when you weren't getting the results you wanted at uh, Jacksonville, that I mean mechanically you were kind of inconsistent with your swing mechanics, uh, you know. Yeah trying to decide between exactly what to do with your lower body in order to tap into that. So if you could just like take the fans through that process and describe what differences you made going like compared to 2019 and to now in terms of being more consistent, what did you decide on that worked for you in terms of getting your lower body really into your swing? Yeah. Um, I would say in 2019, like you said, it's very, it was very inconsistent year. And I think it was, um, because I was all over the place with, you know, I was toe tapping, I was leg kicking, I was, I didn't know what to do with my hands, keep them still, you know, in a certain spot. Um, and, you know, when you have this year off, like I said, you, you, you know, we did a lot of film study, did a lot of work on my body. And, you know, I just wanted to feel that after every swing, after, after every pitch, I wanted to be as mo the most balanced that I can be. And, um, you know, that, that I think to me that helps out that just basically simplified it all, you know, being the most powerful position to hit and, you know, it helps me see the ball, helps me stay back, it helps me balance. And, you know, a lot of the good things come from that. And a couple, you know, mental adjustments here and there, you know, can't be in between pitches and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I think just 
it's small things like that that you know make a big difference and uh but basically the biggest adjustment was being balanced and in the most powerful position i think i was telling sam that during our interview um but yeah joe uh i i you know this question is coming in every interview but i gotta ask it because you know some people out there might not know but you're a-rod's nephew um you know, you got, you've talked about, I heard you in spring saying you guys have a great relationship, but growing up, like what was the big, what was the one baseball specific lesson that he taught you that has helped you most in your career? So, um, the biggest thing I take from him, you know, growing up, you know, we talked hitting, we talked this, we talked that, but the one biggest thing that I ever taken from him is, is defense. You know, you gotta be, you got to be on point with your defense. It'll get you on the field. It'll get you ABs. Um, you show mm-hmm. gold, glove, gold glove caliber defense and, you know, your hitting will take care of itself, you know. Um, but defense will get you on the field. It'll, it'll, it'll win championships. It's, um, it's very underappreciated and, and undervalued. But, um, you know, it's probably one of the most important things you need as a prospect or as a player or as a team and, you know, if you want to win. So... That's that's definitely the biggest thing I've taken from him growing up. Great. Well, flipping back to the offensive side, just for one more question that I, I think, um, so overall, minor league baseball and out in Lindome, I count 23 home runs that you've hit in official professional games, not including the spring training stuff. And I, I mean, that's the best thing you could possibly do when you're up in the plate is hit it out. Out of those, uh, I think all of us would, would be like, over the moon if we just hit one home run and know what that felt like in a real game. But mm-hmm. out of all those that you've hit since turning pro, is there any one that is most memorable to you? I mean, I think I know the answer to this because I was watching you closely over the winter, but uh, yeah. maybe you go in another direction. Which of those really sticks out to you either in terms of the situation or the quality of the pitcher that you were facing, which of those home runs really last in your memory uh, entering, entering this new season? I would say, you know, it's, probably on the same page that the grand slam walk-off down was pretty special, uh, especially against our rivals or our in-city rivals, the Lisey. That one was a special one. And, you know, I don't really like to uh, (laughs) say I like this one over the other because, you know, they're all cool and I love them all. Para Joe Duna, el lanzamiento está sacando batazo de fly profundo por el jardín izquierdo. La bola. Se fue para la calle, enorme cuadrangular de Joe Dunan y los Leones dejan en el terreno a los Tigres del Licey y ganan el partido seis carreras por dos. But that one was pretty cool. That one was pretty special. That one, anytime you can help the team win like that, and obviously one swing of the bat does it, that's it's always cool. Yeah, Joe, one I wanted to ask you about coming into this was your, you know, this is, this doesn't technically count as pro ball, but your walk off this spring, um, you were kind of like a big hit this spring. You had a great spring. You took a lot of people by surprise, I think, and you just kind of kept it rolling from that winter ball. So, mm-hmm. you know, being in front of the big league club, you know, Manley's in the in dugout and I'm sure Denbo's sitting somewhere in those seats and they're all watching. How good did that feel to you know, be on this stage in spring training and be able to give your team a win and hit one out and in walk off fashion like that. Yeah, it felt great. You know, uh, like I said, any, anytime you can help the team win, that's great. You know, we all, uh, 
we're all working towards the same goal and uh, it's to win every single game that we play. Um, yeah, but it felt good to hit it, you know, in during spring training. And, and like I said, th this whole year, you know, being able to show what you, what you've improved on and, and what you worked on, um, it's pretty special. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all trying to, all everybody down here, we're all trying to make it to the, to the show and, uh, showing what you have and your abilities is, is, uh, is important. So, you know, that was a pretty special moment. Long hold, 3-2, runner does not go. Dunant slams from the left field. Long run, Ferguson going back. It is out of here. A walk-off two-run homer for Joe Dunant. And the Marlins win it 3-2. I'm just kind of rolling off that, um, you know, showing what you need to get to the show. You're you're right there. And this, mm -hmm. right after spring training, you had the alternate training site. Now you get the level closest to the big. So what was that experience at the alternate training site like after spring training? Was it just kind of comp competing right after that really competitive spring? Or what, what was your biggest takeaway from that experience? Um, the ATS was, is, uh, it was tough, you know, um, it's a little different than spring training because there was no fans, there was nobody. Um, so it's kind of like remnant, like uh, replicate, replicated of uh, the DR, like no fans. But um, it's some, you know, it was a lot of scrimmages and and uh, exhibitions. I think we played the Blue Jays and Port Charlotte. Um, you know, um, we saw a lot of tough competition. You know, there's. There's a lot of guys that are on the verge or have been in the in the bigs, and um, you know, just being able to see those guys in the tough competition that there that is out there, it's uh, it'll get you ready, it'll get you right, and um, you know, I'm pretty excited to get this year going. With uh, since we're starting here in AAA, uh, I think most of the guys are pretty excited to get this get this thing going, and and you know, we're one we're like you guys said, we're one phone call away, and um, you never know what can happen. Um, you know, those guys in, in the show are, they're grinding every day. It's a tough year. It's a long season. And, um, you know, we just want to be as ready as we can be. Um, so, you know, we'll just keep the train rolling up there when we get there. So, yeah. I'm disappointed, Joe, because here at Fish Stripes, we thought it'd be a great idea. Last year, they called it the alternate training site. And mm -hmm. I mean, the name sucks. It's a dumb name. It's <laughs> a, it, it doesn't like, it's not fair to you guys that uh, are really like, major league caliber guys we thought it could be something clever to come up with we came up with the fish tank and it, we weren't able to get that to stick calling it the fish tank it's not the ultimate tried, training Eli. side it was a valiant clever. effort the two of us yeah. Yeah. would you support that you think yeah. that was a good choice yeah yeah um, specifically for us yeah i would yeah should have passed it up the chain uh, while we had the chance and make the decision makers aware of that but yeah just a couple more for you because of course you mentioned the ultimate goal of like getting up to the show uh be honest with us i know you've been honest with us already but uh barely a week ago a week and a half ago starting third baseman of the marlins brian anderson gets injured he goes mm -hmm. on the il with an oblique issue during spring training i think there were more than a few games where it was the same situation where he started the game and you came in right after him to play the same position. Was there any, was anything in you that thought when he went to the IL, uh, when it was an oblique injury, you don't know exactly how long it would take to get back that you thought that could be the chance to get called up. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, anything, you know, I'm, I don't know how or when I will get the call up, but you know, that's definitely an opportunity or it was a chance, you know, but, 
you know, first of all, you know, hoping Brian was okay and, you know, he gets better and he gets back on the field as soon as possible. But, um, you know, just in my, my mental, the way I'm thinking was just, you know, just be ready. Uh, that was definitely an opportunity or that was a chance for a call. And if it comes, if it doesn't, I'm going to be ready, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, from what we know, it does sound like he'll be back from that injury tomorrow. Should be, went really well that he got that kind of ahead of schedule. Uh, With that being said, uh, I mean, that was something that was out of your control. What do you think specifically is in your control that you have to prove for the team to eventually put you up. Is there anything in particular that they've told you that they definitely want to see from you before calling you up or um, yeah, anything to make it happen in sort, instead of like, there's a certain number of injuries that kind of can give you the opportunity, put it in your lap. But in terms of earning that call up, what steps do you need to take to make that happen at some point this year? Yeah. um, You know, just, I would say just showing that you can, do it every single pitch. I mean, this is my focus. What, um, you know, what I'm trying to do this year and my main thing, what I want to improve on is showing every single pitch, every single play that, you know, you could dominate. Let's say for ABs, you want to dominate every single pitch. You don't ever want to let one go. Um, no matter the situation, no matter the count, you want to be locked in, focus on every single play, pitch, every single play. Um, and defensively, just make every single play and show you can play Third, I know I can play gold glove, gold glove caliber third and and short and you know eventually first. So, um, just showing that I belong, uh, you know, I belong in the bigs. You know, I can I belong playing with all the the best guys in the world and um, yeah, just keep showing it every single day. Yeah, and that first day coming up on Tuesday. Um, it's coming up tomorrow as, as people are listening to this and yeah, pulling six days a week as the schedule is shaken out and yeah. the way that the roster is set up, looking at the guys that are on there right now. Yeah. It does seem like you'll get a whole lot of opportunities at third. And uh, if you get to play first, I mean, you have a great guy to learn from over there in Lewin Diaz where defensively he is kind of, he's off the he's charts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anything else, Ethan? That you? Want yeah. To I just wanted to ask you one more thing, Joe. Uh, I was muted, <laughs> but anyway, um, you've been in this organization now for four years. You're like a veteran in this organization. And there, and since you've been here, there's been a regime takeover, you know, the Jeter group bought it. Um, and, and there's been an injection of talent and life into this organization in this farm system. How awesome has it been to see all this talent? You know, you talked about when you had to move over to the third because jazz showed up and look at what he's doing at the major league level now. So how cool has it been for you to kind of sit and watch as all these guys come in, all this talent starts surrounding you. And then you're the veteran among them, you know, the ways better than anybody. It's exciting, man. It's really, it's really electric to be honest. Um, like you said, I saw the old regime and I saw the new regime and it's night and day. Um, you know, just the culture that they built here um, is really amazing. It's, it's you, there's a place you want to play. Um, 
there's a place I want to be, you know, I, you know, there's, like you said, there's so much talent, there's so much competition down here that it, it pushes you to be, it get, pushes you to get better and better. So um, this is where I want to be. This is the organization I want to be in. Um, it's truly, truly night and day and it's, it's, it's really exciting to be here. Yeah. And then you mentioned, how much does it mean to you that your call is probably going to come from the organization that drafted you? That doesn't happen very often in yeah. today's major leagues. Guys are moved around so much. We've seen, you know, some of these guys that the Marlins have traded for have played for two, three organizations already. So your call is coming soon. How much will it mean to you to come from the team that drafted you? It'd mean the world, you know, it's a dream. Uh, that's a dream come true, truly. Um, you know, I grew up in Miami. I'm born and bred. And uh, to be able to play for the city I was born in, is, it's, 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 a, it's a dream. And uh, eventually, you know, the, the real dream, the, the, the real goal is to win a championship here and, and uh, you know, share that with my city and, and the team, my teammates and everything. So that's, that'll, be, that'll, be, that'll be a special day. I don't think there's a better way to finish that off. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's perfect. perfect. From Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp infielder Joe Dunant and a potential future major leaguer who is on just a great trajectory, especially over these past six months, past year, he has changed his game. And uh, we're wishing you the best of luck this season, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Can't wait to watch you this year, man. Good luck. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.